Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to California Haunts Radio. For people that haven't seen us before or heard of us, thinking who the hell is California Haunts Radio? Well, we've been around for quite a while, actually. We started out on Blog Talk Radio. We've been around for probably about 20 years off and on doing radio work. Started out Blog Talk Radio and recently made the change to, well, recently for me, two years, a year and a half ago, made the change over to this format. So we've been doing this for a while, interviewing great guests like the one we have tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so, and I hope I, I hope you learn something. We may go longer. We depends depends how things go, and I hope you learn something because I'm here to learn something too. That's my goal. If you're watching from YouTube, please feel free to subscribe. Uh, there's a little ghost down in the bottom right hand corner, and that's what you click on. He's got a little mag- he's got a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat, and that's our uh, California Haunts um, mascot. And if you, if you know, once this is over, if you feel a need to look at the rest of our videos, as you can tell tonight, we're we're kind of covering a trauma thing, and we're going to be covering alien abductions and things like that. But we cover a lot of different stuff, like spy planes last night, which was kind of cool with Area 51. You know, so we do a lot of different topics. I'm a journalist, photojournalist. My name is Charlotte. I got to introduce myself. Keep forgetting, get ahead of myself. And I like to cover different topics. It's just not only, you know, paranormal and, 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 and stuff like that. I love covering topics. That's why we're talking about trauma. To, you know, some of our talk today will be about trauma. But I'm really excited that Yvonne's being on the show tonight. We had some technical difficulties, so she will be on by phone. But I do have things to show you, graphics of hers to show you. So don't stress out because we're on, you know, we're on via phone. Okay. But if you like the show, please, 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 you know, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Push that little button and share it with five of your friends, okay? Share it with five of your enemies, five of your friends, because we're looking to get the word out. YouTube shows us no love in the algorithms, so we're looking to get the word out on this show, okay? Anyway, again, my name is Charlotte. I'm the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. We are based out of Sacramento, California. We're 35 strong up and down the state. In fact, we probably have one person in every county to cover. You know, to take care of people who think they might have a ghost ha- a ghost ha- haunting their house or a demon or whatever it is they think they have. We have people available for that. And if we don't have people in a particular county, we will drive the, drive from the nearest county into that county to, to cover. Okay? We also have branches, or affiliates rather, in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So we have a long reach, and we've been helping people for the past 25 years with their paranormal needs. We do not charge for our services. It's all free. We're just out to help and educate people. But if you feel the need to donate, which is cool, you know, uh, you can donate at paypal.me at California Haunts or Venmo and then type in California Haunts because they're all of everything you see here, including the paranormal group equipment, all comes out of my, my pocket. So, yeah, so if something breaks, boom, I got I, I to gotta whip out the cost on it. But anyway, we're not talking about cost or anything like that. I want to get our guest on so we can start talking to her about trauma. And then we're going to talk, and I know she's, she's a hypnotist, so I know she's regressed people who have been abducted by aliens as well. So it's always fascinating to talk about that. I, um, I don't know if I've been abducted, but I've had an instance where I, 
lost time on, on a highway here. And an hour later, I was somewhere else from where I thought I was going to be. You know? So who knows what happened. But I used to see stuff when I was a kid, too. So, you know. Okay, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get her on the phone. And we're going to get the show going. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you. Let me get this set up here. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a certified hypnotherapist. I have been specializing in UFO abduction cases for the last 31 years. Um, I also founded my support group, Close Encounter Resource Organization, or CERO, C-E-R-O, and we're celebrating 30 years of the support group being in existence. So we have a lot of milestones this year. Um, you also uh, do work with trauma patients or, or, or people that have a lot of trauma, right? Well, that's it, yes. Um, with uh, people who have had contact with UFOs and their occupants, they do display um, PTSD symptoms mm -hmm. as anyone else who has suffered a trauma. So the uh, my first goal is to relieve them from that trauma, from the PTSD, so that they can, you know, function in life as we all have to. And then secondary would be, let's see what happened, what memories have come forward, uh, because this experience is a lifelong experience. It usually starts in early childhood. Well, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, because I know, you know, like I was telling everybody before um, I brought you on, is even as a kid, I was seeing stuff in the sky. Now, I don't know if I was getting abducted at night, because I was always, you know, I've always grown up afraid of the dark. I've always been paranoid about the dark. Never sure. liked it. And I don't know if that's why, but I mean, later on in life, I, I had an instance with a friend. I was I'm, I'm driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, everything changed around us. It's like we went through some kind of time warp. Uh -huh. And the next thing I know, an hour, like an hour and a half later, we're in some other town. Okay, so that that part of it, what you're telling me, my red flag has gone up. I hear this many, many times. You know, people are driving, um, and just as you said, something happens. They may see some bright lights, or they may see blinking lights, or you say, for your experience, things around you changed. And then you are in another town, and um, I think you said a couple hours have gone by. Yeah, about an hour and a half, something like that, yeah. Yeah, very, very common with this phenomenon. Creepy. <laughs> yes, and I don't want to alarm you, Charlotte. But... No, I'm already alarmed. I mean, I wake, I'm one of these people, I wake up, because of course I take a, a blood thinner too, you know, a, a baby aspirin, but I mean, I wake uh -huh. up with, with bruises that weren't, that weren't there before, so... <laughs> I've read enough books to know what, what the heck it so all you, means, you know? Well, uh, I, I hope that you're documenting everything, you know, taking pictures of these overnight marks or scars. Um, write down anything that you remember. I always tell people that. So say you have a journal, whether it's on your computer or, you know, when I started, everybody was actually writing in a journal. Right. Um, so you because down the line, you may want to look into these um strange incidents and here you can you, you have them written down and also um any kind of vivid or strange 
dream um, recurring nightmares or dreams should be written down as well. Cool. I'm, I'm going to make sure I keep doing that. Thank you very much. Yes. So, sure. so tell me a little bit about, is it hard? I mean, when, when somebody comes, comes to you thinking they, they might've been abducted or how does that work? Do you, how, how do people find you or how do you find people? Well, it's a lot easier now than when I started. Uh, when I started, we, we did not have the internet. Uh, we were just starting to email mm -hmm. and, um, the only time I advertised was in UFO magazine back then in the early 90s. I had a little article in there, and that's how everybody advertised was, you know, in print. But now with um, – I have a, a page on Facebook so that people can find me. I also have a page on LinkedIn, uh, and that's how people do find me, of course, on my website, they'll Google, of course, Google, they'll Google my name, uh, Yvonne Smith hypnotherapist or Yvonne Smith UFO, and then um, I'll pop up, and then my website is there as well, which gives out a lot of information. And the website also has the questionnaires that I ask people to fill out and email to me prior before booking an initial consultation. And it has an information page about, you know, making the decision to look into this. And it is a, an important and very huge decision because once that information comes out, I mean, once that toothpaste comes out of the tube, we can't put it back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that information sheet will let everybody know is if you're going through, you know, a a really rough time in life and we all do uh if you're going through high stress things like say uh buying a house selling a house a divorce or getting married you know these big events wait till afterwards and so like you know some many times i've sent out information and questionnaires to people i don't hear from them for a year or so uh because they said oh my god i thought i was ready but i wasn't and then they you know, I sent so many, so I don't remember. And then they get back to me or they'll send me the questionnaires. But it is a very important decision to make because it is it's life changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about this, I mean, like you say, the stress doesn't happen really during, you know, whatever's going on. It usually happens after. Why is that with people? Well, it is, um, I mean, during the event, uh, people are awake, like you were, mm -hmm. you know, driving. Right. Uh, you, and you're, you're confused. You don't know what happened. I mean, people will be conscious for a while when those beings come into your house or come into your room, or you see a bright light all of a sudden flooding your room. And then sometimes people will see beings within the light. So then there's a, you know, there's a time where it's, you're panicked. And then they say, then I don't remember anything after that. Usually a person will remember the beginning of mm -hmm. an abduction or perhaps the end of an abduction. But the middle, um, there's, there is some conscious memory, excuse me, um, but even with conscious memory, uh, when they go into the regression, there's always more detail. And the conscious memory sometimes is very different than what comes out of hypnosis. 
not always, but sometimes it, it is. So, um, but they know, but with, they realize with their conscious memory that they saw a bright light coming into their room, very bright. Um, and they saw a figure or fig figures, more than one. They see outlines or, you know, or they'll see like a shadowy or silhouette. Uh, they never, I don't say never, they uh, often, they, they don't describe detail, like, you know, what their face looks like and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you know, it's a very frightening time. I mean, you know, we're supposed to be uh, safe in our beds, in our homes, and here something is happening that they can't understand or can't control. And that's where the PTSD comes in. So for many years, they're, they're living with this, wondering, you know, you know, is this happening? Am I just dreaming? Mm -hmm. Um, and it finally gets to the point where it haunts them. I get people say 20, 30 years after their, their event or events, like say they remember things from early childhood and it's always the same, you know, it, it never changes. Uh, and so they, they're finally to the point where they're tired of thinking about this. They want to know, they just want to know. Can that PTSD also come in the form of like, like triggers that that they don't understand why they have certain triggers like for instance you know like i said like with me i don't like to sleep at night for some reason you know i'd rather sure. be up all night even though I'm, I'm i've been afraid of the dark since i can remember but i'm just saying i mean could, could it come in form like that oh yeah triggers um often if uh and i have cases like this if a messy time uh, event happens on a highway or a freeway they don't want to drive down the, that particular part of the freeway. Uh, some don't want to go under bridges or over bridges. Um, the, you know, something will will spark maybe a, a, a snapshot of a memory that is, is very confusing to them. Um, dreams, many times these, these memories hidden memories will come in very vivid dreams that's how the subconscious works because a lot of the hidden memories are stored in the subconscious mind which is much stronger than our conscious mind so uh, once those memories those hidden memories come to the surface and they'll do spontaneously and then they will come to the surface uh during regression, that's when the healing begins. You know, okay. even though it's frightening and they do relive the event during the regression, you know, but of course, being a skilled hypnotherapist and, and well-trained, I use different techniques and suggestions. And that's why with, you know, people out there that are thinking about going to a regressive, uh, therapist is to be sure that they have been fully trained. I've been in the process now of I've scheduled my second training weekend for therapists who are interested in doing this work. Uh, many, many years I, I've been approached at conferences by therapists asking me, you know, how do I do what you do? How do I do this work? And um, now I feel that now is the time um, to do it. So I had my first training 
session last October, which was very successful. Um, and most of the therapists flew in from other states. I'm, I'm located in Southern California. So it is very much needed. Uh, you know, therapists, I'm, I'm hoping we get therapists trained all over the country because mm -hmm. I get contacted from people all over the United States. So, um, you know, for, for your listening audience, if you are a therapist and you've been wanting to do this work or you know of a therapist, please go to my website and uh, all the detailed information is there about the training in June. And certainly email me with any questions um, that you have and, uh, you know, at any time. And because I, I this is this is very important. I mean, I'm feeling a you know, I'm feeling an urgency to get people trained mm -hmm. because, you know, of course, I can't do this forever. I've been doing this for 31 years already. Mm. You know, I'll do it until I can't do it anymore, Charlotte. I hear you. <laughs> I, I promise that. I hear you. Now, when somebody goes into regression, if there's something painful that 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 they remember via regression, are you able to fix it so that the pain doesn't affect them? Oh, yes. Yes. Using different techniques and suggestions. Um is very helpful and they will uh it will relieve them from that you know i usually will tell them just tell me what's happening without feeling the pain or discomfort because what's important is to bring forth the information for them to verbalize the information on what is happening at that moment do you run into you know for the people that that, that you have done this with do you find that they're they're um are more abductions for what 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 it would be the 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 hybrid program than there are any others? And say that again about the hybrid program. Well, do you find that you know when you're interviewing people for this, uh -huh. you know, not interviewing, but you know when they're under hypnosis, what's the most common thing? Is it people being abducted for 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 the hybrid program, or is it for other stuff? Well, I'll tell you after. 31 years of doing this and working intimately with people, I feel, uh, and I, I came to this conclusion, well, not really conclusion, we can't form conclusions right now, but I really strongly feel that the hybridization program is very central to what they are doing, to their agenda, because everyone, almost everyone, I guarantee, has gone through the... Um, taking up ova, taking up sperm, um, having the women having strange pregnancies, uh, you know, very difficult gynecological problems throughout their lives. And then people are shown uh, these very tiny, very strange looking babies. And they are told that those babies are theirs and they need to show it love for it to survive because they don't have the capability of showing love like we do i'm talking about the gray beings that you know what that i'm coming across and that these are the ones that are doing these kind of procedures and agenda um they don't seem to have that ability to bond with these babies like we do mm -hmm. so they need to abduct people periodically 
and show them the different stages of growth of their children and to interact with them. I mean, I have hundreds of cases of this. Wow. And when you talk about uh, strange pregnancies, what what do you mean? Because you said strange pregnancies. Well, hard, you know, of course, it's hard to prove because, you know, women will, will be pregnant, be pregnant, they'll, it'll come up positive in a home pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. They'll feel pregnant. Um, their, their breasts are sore. Uh, you know, all the, all the, the little details about early pregnancy, uh, morning sickness. And, and then about three months later, they find, um, Perhaps they're bleeding or they find that they're not pregnant anymore. They go to the doctor and the doctor tells them, oh, it's your body absorbed it or it was a spontaneous abortion or a miscarriage, whatever term that they use. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's very difficult to, you know, to note or say, well, you know, that was an alien pregnancy. Right. Um, But only we could only go according to taking that person back to when this happened you know they remember being taken on board they remember um something being inserted into their uh vaginal area something being removed those procedures are very painful and they're very uh traumatic and it happens all the time Mm -hmm. so we just assume you know, uh, according to my records and data, that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. The person uh, was uh, implanted, uh, her, her, and, and the eggs are taken at a very early stage in life. So this happens, you know, throughout, like I said, this experience starts in childhood and it, it continues throughout the person's life. My uh, another question I had, I know I I, I saw a, t- a TV documentary the other night, and a uh, gay woman had gotten pregnant. I'm sorry, you said a gay woman. Yes. Okay. Have you run into that? Um, I'm trying to think back in my <laughs> hundreds of cases. Uh, I, I don't at the top of my head, don't remember specifically if right. a particular woman was gay, but it's, it would not be unusual. Okay. Okay. I mean, <laughs> and the point of this is Charlotte, that women have come up pregnant when their husbands had a vasectomy right. or their husband was say overseas mm-hmm. uh, in the military. Or, right. you know, I mean, can you imagine you know, and she she's saying, you know, I I haven't done anything wrong, and and how do you explain that? Right. Um, but but the truth is the truth, right? You know, and um, I just say, speak your truth of what you remember what happened. Of course, is this whole phenomenon and experience is very difficult on relationships. With, you can imagine whether it's gay or heterosexual mm-hmm. relationship is a relationship, you know, so it's difficult on, on these relationships because especially if one of the partners doesn't want to hear about it, doesn't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And they, and they get, it comes out in anger because I think a lot of it is 
fear, like fear of the unknown. It's like, what is she talking about? Or what is he talking about? You know, it, it, it shatters a person's reality, really. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to ask you about the gay woman. Like you talk, you know, like you said, you know, women who are married to men that have had bisectomies and stuff like that. I mean, that would be a shock <laughs> for for any woman oh, yeah. in that situation to find out that they're pregnant. Oh, absolutely, uh, and it happens all the time. So, uh, and it's hard for them to talk about, you know, and mm -hmm. but the, but they want to know, uh, men and women, you know, they want to know what happened. I mean, are they? crazy you know are right. you, like, did i make this up or might you you know what's going on but they have they do have the physical effects that go along with it and how long you know how, how long on the average do you think that that, that they carry the babies be, before they're either quote unquote miscarried or removed usually about three months okay I think it's usually about three months that i have found um, the baby's taken and the fetus is taken and then they, they take them up to their ship and they put them in these, like, um, I've lost the graphics on this. I just did a lecture in Denver and showed all this. Um, they put them in these enclosures, tanks, I guess you could call them. Most people call them tanks with liquid and they're floating in this liquid, but just not water. It's it's a little bit heavier than water. Um, sometimes there's a light that shines through it, a pink light. I've been described a white light, a yellow light. Um, but they're floating in this fluid until, um, you know, for the, the rest of the gestation period. And then they remove them. And, and of course, they're wanting the human uh, mother and father to interact with them, mm -hmm. which they do. I have so many, so many accounts of this uh, being described to me. Um, so it's, uh, it's a whole process. Now I know now that people feel that they have encountered or run into or met uh, a hybrid here on earth. Hmm. So thinking, you know, these babies grow up and, you know, they become adults. And then what happens? Where are they? You know, well, some are up there somewhere, uh, but some are down here as well. Because I have had descriptions of people saying, you know, I've met this person, but, you know, I thought it was, he was kind of normal, but then I started talking to him and it was like, he, he could look through me or he could read my mind as if we walk by them mm -hmm. you know we wouldn't notice it it's when there is an interaction or a conversation there's something very different about them so i told my audience this weekend we'll keep our eyes and ears open you know because i've heard this uh that they do show up at conferences and um you know i i May have run into a little boy, a, a hybrid little boy in Roswell several years ago, and other speakers had said the same thing at that same conference. I mean, it sounds so science fiction when I talk about this, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, I mean, what 
years ago, 20 years ago, when I was talking about the pregnancy, I was talking about the hybrid babies. That's not science fiction. Now I feel like, well, you know, this is, uh, I could only go where the research takes me. And now I'm talking about the hybrids functioning down here. So we'll see, you know, uh, and now with everybody having their phone cameras, who knows? Right. Right. We may be able to get some pictures, but then who knows? Um, I think they have, they have capabilities and powers that we don't have. You know, people have tried, you know, to film. They set up a camera in their room Mm -hmm. and they try to film. This is for years and years. uh, An abduction of them coming in the room and which, you know, sounds like a great idea. I mean, one of my, uh, audience member says why hasn't anybody put a camera in i said well how do you know they haven't i mean they have for years but they're the camera is either scrambled when they they try to look at the tape or uh, you actually see the person going up and turning off the camera and they don't remember that um so it really is up to the alien beings when they want their picture taken i am convinced of that right right and my other question I have too, as far as these hybrids go, is it just the greys that are trying to create the hybrids, or is it the reptilians also that that are doing this? You know, the different alien races. Well, you know, I only really deal with the, the gray beings. Um, okay. The the small ones, the taller ones, you get on board. There's taller ones, sometimes they wear a tight uniform or a cape. Uh, also, the praying mantis type Yikes. work along with them. I every once in a while there'll be a reptilian on board. You know, they they're there too, but they don't seem to be as prominent with my cases anyway as the others. And I'm thinking at this point, I feel the the gray beans that are producing these hybrids. And, and now producing more um, perfected hybrids are the ones that can come down here and blend in. I'm I'm thinking how is a how is a reptilian going to blend in? Right. I mean, if they unless they just completely change from reptilian to you know uh, human gray, uh, but I've never been asked that question before. But it's you know it's interesting. I just I just haven't run a, a, across the reptilians doing this. Now you said you might have seen a hybrid in New Mexico. What what did it look like? Well, it was so strange because you know you don't think about it right away. But mm-hmm. he was sitting. Um, I was doing. They have a room at the at the uh, Roswell Museum, and I've lectured there every year. They have a room. Uh, it was downstairs called the video room and that's in the middle of the whole uh the whole museum so one evening i was doing my lecture but there was a little boy sitting right in front and he didn't seem to be with anybody like parents or anybody he i would say he was about 10 or 11 years old he had a lot of hair but it was like you know it was almost like a wig that didn't fit quite right. I mean, it's hard to explain, but mm-hmm. I noticed his hair. But it, it wasn't, I mean, you look at him and he looked normal. 
you look like a human. Um, but it wasn't until the Q&A and he asked me a couple questions because I showed a triangular shaped mark, uh, several of them that come up overnight. And the way he asked, I cannot remember exactly what he said. It was years ago, but the way he asked about, um, you know, has, has, have these marks been analyzed by a science? I mean, the way he asked the question and about analysis and the procedure, I mean, was not a question how a 10 year old would ask? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I was taken back by it and it wasn't until a, a fellow uh, lecturer, Ron Regeer, who also uh, lectures there every year, he came to me and he said, did you just have that little boy in your, in your lecture? I said, yes. And he's, he had lectured at the room upstairs and he said his, he was there too. And he found him to be, you know, very different. So one, a uh, couple of audience members kind of looked at him and they noticed him and his lady followed him out the museum trying to take a picture of him. I don't think she was able to, but she said he wasn't with anybody. You know, he was just, he just walked out, you know, by himself. And he didn't act like he was with anybody. He, he wasn't interacting like, you you know, how you notice or interacting with your parents right. or a family member or something. So that was, you know, that was something that I'll, I think I'll always remember. And I thought, well, gee, it could have been a hybrid. Why not? Sure. You know, Billy uh, seemed very interested in what I was saying. And he sat right in front. And he sat right in front of Ron in, in Ron's lecture as well. Um, but I've had I've had cases where um, experiences experiences have felt that they one of them in particular um, said he went to a UFO lecture here locally, and there was this uh, little blonde girl, like young girl. Oh, she may have been a preteen. And she, I think she was asking him questions and she, she wanted to sit next to him. Um, and there was, I'm trying to think, um, cause he, he had told me that it just struck him very odd. Um, the way she was trying to interact with him. Like she was very interested in him. And her, his wife even said, yeah, it was, you know, kind of strange. She, she wanted to sit with us and he just felt later he thought that could have been my hybrid daughter but then she left suddenly for some reason and i cannot recall something happened or i know he said there was a helicopter above the building and which often often happens um but she left all of a sudden she's gone so just little things like this that um that that have happened that i have you know, come across in my, in my work. Uh, and, and in this, in this work, you know, I have to keep open to any possibility because right now, you know, we could draw a lot of, um, theories, but we cannot draw a lot of conclusions, mm-hmm. um, because you, you think you have an answer and then you turn around and something else happens and then you come up with more questions. So, um, I'm hoping that we'll get an answer in our lifetime. Um, I keep asking them, but I haven't had any answers yet. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> right, right, right. In the 30 years or so that you've been doing this, 
what's the most common thread that that you've seen? Oh my goodness. Um, well, very common. Just as you ex uh, described your own experience mm -hmm. of driving and being in a different location hours later, that is very common. The, the missing time cases, and these people are wide awake, like you were. You know, mm -hmm. they weren't dreaming or hallucinating or anything. Um, also, the we call we call the you know in the past the bedroom visitations. As I mentioned before, the bright light coming in beans within the light um, and then there's a blackout period uh, when when they find themselves on the craft the craft is described the same just very sterile large uh, brown room or even a, it, sometimes it's a smaller round room depending on, on how big the ship is but they said it's very sterile there's always the table um, that they're made to lie on, and um, and then the procedures. Uh, I, I had a lecture for many years that I called anatomy of an abduction, and it went from A through Z of what happens during the examinations, those procedures. There always is a long needle-like instrument. They will start from the feet many times and, and move up the body. Um, they'll manipulate the back. Uh, they, uh, the, uh, the head procedures as well are very, very common and find that on almost everybody, uh, needles going into the ears, to the top of the mm. head, to the back of the head, you know, and years, years ago when I started, I worked very closely with Bud Hopkins, who was considered the, um, pioneer of abduction research. In fact, he mm -hmm. was my mentor, um, back Many years ago, he'd had a couple of x-rays of an object in someone's nose. It almost looked like a corkscrew. But, you know, the, when the needles go up the nasal cavity, you know, we discovered that they were implanting those uh, abductees and experiencers. Wow. Uh, sometimes they come out in an x-ray, sometimes they don't, or right. an MRI. Um, if they're... Um, if there's a if they're metal like they'll show up uh in an x-ray but you know again not always mm -hmm. uh, my colleague and friend uh dr roger lear who unfortunately passed away several years ago had performed some extractions now he was a podiatrist so he could only work on the feet but he had a a colleague who was able to remove them from other parts of the body. And I believe there were 17 surgeries that he did. That, and I observed a few of them. Um, I was able to be there, which is very interesting. And the, he had them analyzed. Uh, and I had the reports. There was a couple of, uh, one in particular of my book, uh, The Coronado Incident, where there was a mass abduction. We did, I, I interviewed him for the book, and then we, he told me about the analysis that was done on uh, the object that was taken out of a leg. And so I have, I have the actual analysis in the book. But now with uh, Roger being gone, you know, I have been looking for a, 
board certified surgeon um, and then uh, labs that I can work with. But, you know, uh, all this, of course, takes money. Right. And money, we don't have money. My ex the experiences of duck use don't have many times. And a lot of this research is down, done out of pocket. So, you know, um, Roger was able to get uh, benefactors for some of these surgeries because they're very the equipment you know, that he had to rent was very expensive. So we run into all of these, um, you know, problems. I mean, we want, I want to have, like to have more analyzed. Uh, and if someone wants to step up and donate their, you know, time and money, and that would be great. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you know, I tell people you don't get into UFO research for the money. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you do it for the passion, you know, the work, the passion for for finding the truth and for and in my case, you know, to, to help people live a normal life with this. Right, right. Now, when we talk about these implants, I had heard, you know, you know about Mr. Lear and how sometimes when he would go in to remove the implants, the implants would move. I'm sorry, say that again. I'm sorry. I didn't that there were that. times when he went in, or I don't know if it was Mr. Lear or, or another doctor that was doing these removals, but they had said that, I, I had read that when they had gone in to get some of the, to remove these implants, that the implants would, would like move in the body. Yes. Yes. It, I saw one do that because it was on camera. He had a, what he would call a C-arm, that he had to rent for the surgery that would come over the area where he was removing the implant. Mm -hmm. And one of them, um, when he approached it, it moved. And I believe uh, Whitley Strieber, who I know very well for years, uh, said the same thing. I believe it's the one in his ear. And it, it moved when, I think it was Roger that came close to it. Mm -hmm. And he did, he decided not to have it removed. And I have an object in my knee that I've had for several years. I don't know how it got in there. I don't have a scar, which is very typical. Well, um, I had Roger look at it and feel he could feel it right under the skin. It's perfectly round. And when we were in Roswell one year, uh, and I had just discovered it. You know, he we went into another room, and I, you know, I said, you know, what do you think? And he thought it was something uh, anomalous, and he said that he had a, a patient who had the same type. It felt the same way in the same part of her leg. So uh, I had it. His colleague X-rayed it, different different sides, and it nothing came out on the X-ray, uh, which was not surprising. But he said it's not anything that's a cyst or anything that's attached to any type of uh bone or uh what do you call it uh skin or anything like that that you think okay it's something that's normal you know uh, then i had a, a psychic a friend of mine a friend of rogers we were at a conference and i wanted to to know what she felt about it, you know, because I, I don't remember anything. Mm -hmm. And when I was sitting on the bed in my room, in my hotel room, and she came, you know, and she came close to it, and the thing moved. Ooh. 
yeah, the big moot. Yeah, but this is the first time I've ever shared this on the air, Charlotte. So <laughs> we got an <laughs> exclusive, guys. <laughs> but I think it's important, you know, um, to <clears throat> share your experiences. I mean, people are coming forward now. People I have that are in my support group that are, you know, retired lawyers, retired attorney generals. Um, there's people are coming forward that feel that they're tired of living a secret uh -huh. or a lie and so a few years ago i decided it was time for me because when i was working with bud hopkins he he cautioned me he said don't talk about your own experiences when you're you're doing an interview you know just you know just come out as your you're a therapist and so you, so people don't think you're losing objectivity right right which I didn't for a very, I mean, years and years. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I decided it's time. You know, I respected him uh, in his wishes while he was here with us. And now that I see other people coming forward and we're, you know, we're so many things are happening now that I think we're getting closer to, um, to telling the general public that, look, we've been right all along, something is happening here. You know, the, there's things flying around that uh, our government and the military can't explain and they're real. Mm -hmm. So this is why I, I decided to share since we were talking about implants, but they do move because I've, I've had that experience myself. I have a question in the chat room and the question is, if an implant is removed, do the aliens leave the uh, person alone? Wait a minute. If the implant is removed, what it was that? Do the aliens still come to get them? Yes. Oh. Yes. And that's another thing. Um, I've had two cases that um, that I shared. They both had their implants removed. Um, Jesse, he double abduction with his brother John when they were children. He had it in his body for over thirty years. He decided he wanted it removed because it was really bothering him. It was, uh, you know, uncomfortable right under his skin. Mm -hmm. Well, subsequently, he had another abduction. The beings were not happy when they couldn't find it. So they, re Im they implanted him again. He had a very... He had a very rough abduction. In fact, the next morning, he had... he. I talked to him the next day, but... The next morning, he was sick to his stomach. Um, for whatever, I think they injected him with something mm -hmm. that made him really sick. I mean, um, I don't want to be graphic, but you right. can tell when he was in the restroom. Um, the other one, she was uh, the subject of uh, one of the abductees in the Coronado incident. She, too, had it removed. Um, Roger removed it and she too had a very rough abduction afterwards and they'll usually implant the person in a in a place where it's much harder to get to like closer to the brain interesting one of our uh, listeners today says uh, she had a weird anomaly removed and the doc was perplexed about what it was it moved around in her leg and she says it was in the 80s. The doc put it in a, in a vial, and she never heard a word, and she never thought to ask. 
I don't know. She said she never bothered to ask. She, no, I don't think um, she heard another word about it. You know what's really funny about that too? I've heard stories like that. Um, that you know the doctors are perplexed, but then they, you know, they don't, they don't know what happened to it afterwards. But um, the, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think okay. it's a senior moment. Uh, so she said they. Um, they yeah, said, she said that yeah, they she did, didn't know. Yeah, she didn't know. They put it in a vial. Let's see if she's got a follow-up here. She's oh, oh. Another, uh, what happens, too, and I think people are programmed to do this. I've had people uh, sneeze something out of their nose. Right. And right away, they'll they'll look at it and just and throw it. In, like, one flushed it down. Right. It went through it in the trash. Um, and it was, it was just, it was just a, you know, they didn't even think about it. They just want to get rid of it. And right. I think they were programmed to do that. I'm right. convinced of it. See, she says she's always been alien obsessed too. So who knows? You know? She's always been what? Alien obsessed. Oh, okay. Well, so who knows? And yeah, and uh, I, I would ask her, you know, uh, has she had strange experiences since childhood? You know, getting into her family history because it, it, it does run in the family as well. What do you think they're doing this for? Why, why, well, this, why are they doing that? That's always a million-dollar question. You know, I'm always asked that. Like I said, all we could do is is have theories. I mean, like as I mentioned earlier, I feel that the hybridization program and the creating of these hybrids um, so that they can live you know, down here among us, mm -hmm. uh, I think is very, very central to what they're doing. Um, I don't, I don't feel that they're, they're down here to take us over. Um, I think they're very concerned about our planet. Uh, abductees and experiencers have been given messages throughout their experiences when they're, when they're taken that they're either shown pictures or they're, um, they're implanted with visions of our planet being destroyed and, you know, uh, deforestation mm -hmm. um, uh, and things that are happening now. Um, and so I think they've, they've been very concerned. I mean, to the point where in the 60s, they, I think it was in about seven um, Air Force uh, installations, they shut down all the ICBMs which was, I feel, a huge message to us. They don't like us playing around with nuclear weapons you know uh we're dumb humans we don't know what we're doing right and because once we start messing around with that it's going to affect the rest of the universe and universes and i feel that they have been very concerned about that so i know they love our planet um and they want us to take care of it um they can only they can't really intervene or swoop down here and save us from ourselves but mm -hmm. I think to the, if we get to the point where we're going to start blowing each other up uh, with our nuclear weapons, they will they will intervene for for the good, you know, of all. So uh, I just and what I want to say, tell the 
audience, which in this sounds so simplistic, but these are the messages that, that people have been getting is just put out your energy of love all over the world. Um, we have to make a chain of love all over the world, especially what's happening now. We all know what's happening now with Russia, um, what they're doing. Uh, but but they have told us that we can reverse negative things uh, and that we can do it with love. And mm -hmm. it sounds almost ridiculous when I say it, but think about, you know, um, my support group. We, we do a, a prayer when one of our members is sick or we've had a death or we've had somebody that's critical. We do, you know, what call the power of prayer. We call the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. um, putting our attention out there. I mean, we're very strong. We're all very strong uh, and our minds are strong. Um, so I encourage everybody to do that because this is what my support group is doing. We're doing a meditation about every couple months to mm -hmm. put, put, it, uh, put the good out there. And that's what, you know, I want to tell the audience now. I've been doing this long enough to, to see the changes and what's been happening and now you know paying attention to what our alien being friends mm -hmm. have been trying to tell us for so many years now you you think you encountered a hybrid back in new mexico the people that you've put under hypnosis how did they describe the, the, these children they're seeing uh very often describing them as very thin almost sickly um not like our newborn babies, like dark pink, and you know they're uh, healthy looking. They're right. they're normally um, will often have no hair, which is you know our human babies that happens to. But if they do, it's very sparse. Um, and as they grow into like uh, adolescence, uh, the hair is very sparse, as if it, they look like they're a cancer patient. That's often described to me. Um, their eyes are look like ours, but they're bigger. Um, very small nose, small mouth, um, small you know, just small ears. Enough. They'll look human enough. Um, like I said, if they're dead, if they come down here, we won't notice right away. Mm -hmm. And these these babies, these children hybrids have been perfected over the years because um when women and men were describing them on the craft i mean they really looked alien i mean i have one um client that described the babies like i felt like i was i was hugging spiders mm. you know, it was just she, cause she had to look away and she felt bad because she was i felt like i was rejecting those are my children yeah and, she, you know, she was emotional and crying because she's, you know, how can I reject it when I can't even look at them? So, um, yeah, the, so they're being perfected. They have been, be, you know, perfected over the years. So, you know, everybody keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, I, I do think they're among us. Well, the question I have, too, along, along that line is that when you talk about, like, this woman that kind of said she saw spiders, and that's obvious to me. It's not just the greys that are doing the impregnation either. Because, you know, because, you know, there's these different alien species. Well, there are many, but yeah. she, 
she didn't see spiders. She described she felt because they were very thin. Oh, okay, and okay, 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 okay. And when she was a child, and even my young son, he would tell me, "Mom, there's a spider that comes in my room and stands in the corner and talks to me." So children often will describe these beings as spider-like, mm-hmm. um, because you know, think about it. Look at the uh, the being that came out of the ship at the end of Close Encounter of the Third Kind. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. How tall and spindly he was. When my son, who was about five or six years old at the time, maybe a little bit older, I remember we watched that last part, and he came and sat by me on the couch. He said, Mom, that's what the spider looks like. Oh, my God. And I I was just getting into my work, and I, you know, and I came to the realization that my own son was having these experiences. That's me for watching too much Star Wars. <laughs> um. <laughs> Now, do, do people, and I've also heard stories also, and I'm just trying to verify with you because, of course, you've, you, you've spent 30 years doing this. People have said that they've also seen their children in, in different ages of life, not just babies. Oh, different ages, yes. Yeah. Yeah, adolescents, like teenage years, they'll be taking that periodically. Um, and they know, I mean, when, a, when the abductee experiencer walks in, to the room that they've been taken into, <clears throat> all of a sudden they'll say, these children are coming in. You know, they might be five or six of them, different ages, and they'll go, they get emotional, and they'll say, I think they're mine. You know, they'll, they, they feel that they're theirs, mm-hmm. and they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll describe them, uh, some taller than the others, and, you know, some have hair, some not. Some are male, some are female. It's very emotional. I mean, I almost cried during some of the sessions in the beginning when I started doing this. I can imagine. And do, do they see it? other experiencers when they're up there? Oh, yes. Yes, often. And in my book, Coronado, um, because there are a dozen of my serial members abducted together, they uh, remember seeing one another. Uh, in a particular room, um, and and even before that case even happened, um, in our early meetings with Ciro, you know, people will they look across the room and they'll say, you know, you look really familiar to me, and I was just amazed when that kept happening, um, and some of them had discovered that they were abducted together. Some of them discovered later that they were abducted as children. They mm-hmm. knew each other as children, but up there, not down here. Sure, sure, sure. What do you say? Yeah. What do you say to somebody that thinks they might have been abducted? I say, um, if you if you want to reach out for help or to look into this, you know, if, if it's been bothering you and you're and you can't. You're having a hard time thinking of anything else that's affecting your work and your and your life. Uh, you could go to my website, and it's hypnotherapistyvonsmith.com. You have that on the screen. Yes, I will. Okay. Um, there's information there. There's questionnaires. Um, I get 
like I said, I get people from all over the country. I am now, because of COVID, and we all had to be on lockdown, and abductions did not stop during COVID, mm-hmm. um, I had to reinvent myself, like a lot of us did, and now I'm offering Zoom sessions, uh, Zoom consultations, and Zoom sessions for people that are outside of uh, California, where I'm located, if they if they wish to do that, or I could try to refer them to a therapist in their area, but they're few and far between right now. And can you share with us one abduction that sticks out in your mind, you know, that you regressed? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, one of them, uh, I think it's in yeah, my book chosen one, uh, she became a serial member. She came, she was my client, became a serial member. She had the classic pregnancies and uh, she was shown or she was, she was shown the baby and the baby was taken away and she was, Oh, so, so distraught. And then she's looked over and she saw another woman on the table and she said, Oh my God, she, this poor woman, you know, she's distraught too. And she's crying. They just took her baby. Well, she came to the serial meeting, like after her session, like say a few weeks after, and there was another member, a new member as well. And she looked across the room and she came over to me and she said, oh my God. She said, um, Yvonne, I think that's the woman that was on the table next to me. Wow. And she, <laughs> I'm getting chills now. I, and I think I did write about that in chosen um not using the other person's name but i think they did connect they did talk uh, but can you imagine and people have done that they could remember seeing somebody on board and then they see him down here wow so, yeah that's you know, ooh, that's crazy ooh, yeah. <laughs> i don't want to give you a nightmare charlotte that's okay i already have them it's cool it's not a problem not a problem. Um, thank you so much. What's next for you? Well, oh my gosh. Um, and I'll be announcing it on my website and my social media sites, but uh, Ciro, members of Ciro, myself, we are writing the Ciro anniversary book now. Okay. Cool. Which, uh, as soon as it's published, um, I'll, I'll make an announcement. I might be at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. It's a lot. We have a lot of work ahead of us. We're also uh, filming currently uh, our documentary featuring myself and several serial members. And um, it's about an eight-month project, long project, but it's, uh, it's showing the personal side of everyone, you know, how they are at home they have families they have children they have pets but yet they have this experience but they're as normal as you know anybody that you're working with or your neighbor or because it because it could be anybody so that project um most likely will be ready after the first of the year but we're very excited about it because it's going to really paint a real picture of abductees experiencers and who they are and what they go through, you know, in life. Uh, and I'm, I'm also uh, going to be writing a book about the family connection. As I said, it runs in families. So I'm going to be 
writing about the different families that I've worked with. So that's another project. And, um, and hopefully this will all, you know, it'll all work out, all come out and I'll, I'll make announcements, but thank you so much, Charlotte, for having me on your show. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to have you on again. I would love to, maybe I could bring one of my uh, zero members on with me. That would be great. Okay. Charlotte, all right. Well, you, you. you have a good rest of the evening. Okay. You too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That was cool. I learned a lot. Boy, that's what this show's all about, is to be educated and learn a lot. I learned a lot about one of my friends tonight, too. I'm not going to say the name. You know your name. G G G G. Okay. Anyway, welcome. I want to thank everybody for coming on. If you haven't seen the show before, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have great guests like this on all the time. Last night we had... A gentleman on talking about the SR-71 Blackbird in Area 51. So we have varying topics on this show. If you're uh, watching from YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. You know, the more subscribers, the merrier. And it's that little ghost down at the bottom right-hand corner with the Sherlock Holmes hat on and the magnifying glass. And if you really like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And we're trying to get the word out about our show. Um, you know, our podcast numbers have gone through the roof and we're really excited about that right now, but we, we're trying to build up YouTube, you know, the algorithms haven't been kind to us and they show us no love. So, you know, the more the merrier that, that can subscribe. I want to thank everybody. If you want to uh, check out our, uh, our other videos that we've done, you know, show wise, you can check it out at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com or you can actually try and find our YouTube page. And the easiest way to do that would be California Haunts on youtube and maybe type in the title of this video and that that'll take you to that page there's over 250 videos over there uh if you want to check out the paranormal team that's at californiahaunts.org okay um like i said earlier in the show um you know it's it's, it's like she was saying you know just just like with what she's doing there's no funding for any of this stuff you know it's just we do it for free we do it to inform people and so if something breaks then it has to come out of my pocket, and unfortunately, you know, things do break, and uh, it's, you know, that's just the way that life is, but uh, we do take donations as a team. We, we never charge for our services. If you could find it in your heart to donate to help us keep this show on the air and keep us going here, that would be great. That's at paypal.me at California Haunts, or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, go to Venmo and just type in California Haunts, and you can find us that way as well. Like I said, it, it all goes back in for equipment. It's not personal use, anything like that. It goes in for equipment for the paranormal group and to keep the show on, whether it's computers, headphones, or or whatever we need. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I'm going to show you her contact information as well as the uh, two books she has out plus the video that she has out. So, so you guys can try and pick those up. And, of course, those are available at Amazon. So let me go ahead and do that. And there it is. Websites, hypnotherapistyvonsmith.com. And the book is Chosen, Recollections of UFO, on UFO, UFO Abductions. The other book is Coronado. And Hybrid 101, I believe is the video. It could be wrong, I can't read it. One contact in, it's an issue. 
And that's the video you can get. And that's, of course, available at Amazon. Tomorrow, we are going to be going on early at, at noon Pacific because our guest lives in Sweden. So we're going to be talking to him. And he is an interesting gentleman. His name is Carl Abramson. Carl Abramson was, was good friends with Anton LaVey. And who's Anton LaVey? Anton LaVey is the founder of the Church of Satan. And he has written a book about his, his friend Anton LaVey. And so we're going to be interviewing him tomorrow. And that will be at 12 noon. So I hope to see you all there, or as many of you as possible. And, of course, for the people that are working and can't make the show, of course, you can see the replay either on YouTube or on Facebook. But uh, please join us tomorrow at noon. So I'm going to let you all go. So you guys have a good evening, and I will see you tomorrow at noon Pacific time. Have a good